Well, it looks like you made your way to the Chaldean Priest Show. If you have no idea who I am, my name is Father Daniel. I am, no surprise, a Chaldean priest serving in San Diego, California. And while we're at it, before we get started, please make sure to give this podcast five stars and give a comment if you want. All right, let's get started. It's always a good day when the San Diego Padres get a win in, even though we had a tough losing streak that took us out of the number one spot in the MLB standings. But we're back with a winning streak. And of course, we're going to be facing the Los Angeles Dodgers tomorrow. I have faith in the Padres, and I'm sure the Padres will win. If you're not a Padres fan, very sorry to hear that. Uh, If you're a Padres bandwagon, that's fine with me. Welcome aboard. We could use uh, as many fans as we could have. So I know I usually talk about a Basilica hymn according to the Chaldean liturgy every, basically every podcast episode, but today I want to give a background on who the Chaldean people are. And uh, to give this podcast, I'm going to be going through an outline that was written by Father Andrew Yonan, who is also a Chaldean priest. Uh, who also serves with me here in San Diego. And what I want to do is really highlight who the Chaldean people are. Because, I mean, for example, some people will come up to me, they'll see I'm a priest, and I'll tell them I'm Chaldean Catholic, and they'll ask me things like, oh, you know, do you guys receive the Eucharist? Or uh, do you guys acknowledge the Pope as the successor of Peter? And some side of me doesn't blame people because not everyone knows who Chaldeans are. But another side of me says, okay, if I'm telling you I'm Chaldean Catholic, then that pretty much means I'm Catholic just like yourself. But anyway, so who are the Chaldean people? So I'm going to be going through the geographic origin of the Chaldean people, the language that we speak, the religion, and other interesting facts about the Chaldeans. Because because whether you're Chaldean or not, uh, you'll probably find some of the things that I'm going to say new to you, maybe you didn't know if you're a Chaldean, and if you're not Chaldean, uh, and you have some sense of uh, who the Chaldean people are, maybe this will draw more clarity and you know just give you a better sense of who Chaldeans are. And why would this be important? It's important to understand the history of certain cultures and certain traditions, especially when it is within the Catholic Church, under the Catholic umbrella. So... So, who are the Chaldean people? So, the Chaldeans are the indigenous Aramaic-speaking people of Mesopotamia, uh, which is now called Iraq, and which was formerly called Uruk. And the Chaldeans compromise one of the eastern rites of the Catholic Church. So, there are many different eastern rites, and rites, that's with the capital R, of the Catholic Church. So, when you see a Chaldean Catholic... A Chaldean Catholic is not necessarily in the Eastern Rite because there are many rites within the Catholic Church. And I know some people also get it mixed up, you know, asking someone whether they're Chaldean or Assyrian or whether Chaldeans and Assyrians are synonymous to each other. And they are the same, the Chaldeans are the same ethno-cultural people as the Assyrians. So most of them belong to one of the the non-Catholic Assyrian churches. 
And as far as the geographic origin of it, so like I said, it's uh, Chaldeans are from Mesopotamia and it had many different names in the past. Uh, it was part of the Ottoman Empire and the Persian Empire, so on and so forth. And it's also called the land between the two rivers, so the Euphrates and the Tigris. And the land of Mesopotamia was also called the cradle of civilization. And we also see in the book of Genesis, Genesis 2.10 to 15, where the Garden of Eden was said uh, to be located uh, in that same region. And it's also, of course, the land of Babylon. And what's interesting is it's most likely Mesopotamia is the origin of the Magi when they're following the star of the east to go and see the Messiah that we see in Matthew 2. And it is also a land that has an extremely rich history and has seen many blessings and many tribulations. And I'll go through that once I get into the ecclesiastical uh, components of the Chaldeans. So the Chaldeans, we speak Aramaic, of course, the language that Jesus spoke. And there's this funny joke among Chaldeans where uh, someone will ask us what language we speak. We say, we say Aramaic, and typically that Chaldean follows it up with saying, uh, that's a language that Jesus spoke. But some make a joke by saying, no, Jesus spoke our language, but whatever. I thought, I, it's kind of funny, not, not that funny. Okay, anyway, so the dialect that's spoken by the Chaldeans is technically called Neo-Aramaic, which is used in an academic sense, but it can also uh, be referred to as simply Chaldean. And just to get something clear, so Chaldean is not the same as Arabic. When someone speaks Chaldean and someone speaks Arabic, those are com two completely different languages. Um, and I know, you know, some people think they're the same. I mean, they are kind of similar. You know, you'll hear some words uh, being spoken in Chaldean that are that is also used in uh, the Arabic language, but those are basically the very small similarities. But... Uh, they are completely different languages. So as far as the religion of Chaldeans, we are Eastern Rite Catholics, and of course the majority of Chaldeans are Catholic, but uh, just for your information, so Chaldeans weren't all, always Catholic. So it wasn't until the 16th century where the patriarch of the Chaldean church traveled to Rome in efforts of unity, with the Catholic Church. So I think it took Patriarch Yohannan uh, Sulaka about a month to reach Rome because remember, everything uh, was on foot. So when he went there, we unified with Rome, and that's when uh, we officially became Catholic. And the Chaldean Church is composed of a Chaldean synod of bishops, with the head being the Patriarch, and the head uh, of the Patriarch is the pontiff of Rome is the Pope. So that's why when it comes to uh, the Chaldean Church, the Chaldean Church repo reports to the Chaldean Synod, who is headed by the Patriarch. And Patriarchs are typically found in the Eastern uh, Rite churches. So as far as tradition and the liturgy is concerned, if you go to a Chaldean Mass and you go to a Latin Mass, a Roman Catholic Mass, you will see, I mean, some similarities, 
for example, the sitting and the standing and the kneeling, standing for the gospel, kneeling during the prayer of consecration over the Eucharist, but the Chaldean liturgy is much different. We have a different anaphora. We celebrate the anaphora of Mar'adde and Marmari. Mar'adde, who was also known as Thaddeus, one of the twelve, and Marmari. And so we have a different anaphora. We have a different uh, divine office and different liturgical calendar, weekly readings, so on and so forth. That's why if you're not Catholic and you listen to some of my episodes where I comment on the certain liturgical season that we're in at the moment and comment on a basilica hymn, it's probably completely different than that of the Roman Catholic Church. Again, we do share some similarities like uh, Lent. You know, we also fast during Lent, aside from Ash Wednesday, we don't participate in Ash Wednesday. That's a uh, Roman Catholic tradition. And uh, I just want to make something clear. So the Chaldean Church was originally referred to as the Church of the East. So the Chaldean Church, the Assyrian Church of the East, the ancient apostolic Assyrian Church of the East uh, were all branches of the Church of the East. And the reason why it was called the Church of the East is because it was located east of the Roman Empire. And the ancient church was, for a long time, associated with uh, the heretic Nestorius, and sometimes called uh, the Nestorian Church. But just to be clear, we are not called Nestorians. Um, We are called, of course, Chaldeans. So the Chaldean Church has a very ancient apostolic tradition. And throughout the historicity of the Chaldean Church, the Chaldean Church, and you've probably heard me mention this in a few of my podcasts, but just to reiterate, we have gone through a lot of tribulations uh, throughout the centuries, you know, from the Mongolians to the Zoroastrians in the very early centuries of the church and until current day, you know, you everyone obviously knows what ISIS, the damage that ISIS did to our churches in northern Iraq and other places in Iraq. But it's amazing, you know, throughout all of these tribulations and persecutions, we, you know, we're in 2021 now, and we have still maintained our ancient liturgy and our language and other traditions that could have easily been wiped away throughout these persecutions. Um, But, you know, for example, when you go to a Chaldean church, you go to mass, even if you go to an English mass, you'll still hear things that are spoken in Aramaic, which is beautiful because Aramaic is still integrated. Obviously, the church had to adapt to the English-speaking Americans here in uh, the West, in America, but you will still hear Aramaic being spoken in English masses. And it's interesting because even here at the parish that I serve at the cathedral, St. Peter's Cathedral, I'll still, you know, here and there see people from the Roman Catholic Church visit just, you know, to check it out. And it's really interesting. So I know many of you know I'm studying uh, canon law right now. I'm in a canon law program. And Canon law says something interesting about uh, Catholics who practice their faith in different traditions. So, canon law says that all Catholics should practice their faith within their own right, and it should be discouraged for them to register at a, uh, for example, a Chaldean, to register at a Roman 
right parish or vice versa. And I think one of the main reasons for this is that because the Chaldean church has gone through so much persecution, we as Chaldeans should do everything we can to maintain this apostolic tradition that has been handed down to us. So, for example, if a Chaldean were to go to a Roman Catholic church and go there regularly, that would go against what canon law teaches. And for any other pastor of a Roman Catholic parish to accept parishioners from the Chaldean Catholic Church and register them as parishioners would really be an insult to canon law. And if someone asked me, okay, Father Daniel, what's the difference? They're all Catholic churches. That's right. They are all Catholic churches. But that doesn't mean that because we're all Catholic, we all share the same traditions. And it's not only because of traditions. It's because this is where our roots came from. Our roots came as Chaldeans from the Chaldean Catholic Church. Because if you ask your parents and your grandparents and their parents and so on and so forth, and throughout that entire genealogy, I guarantee you not one of them would have told you that they went to any other church aside from the Chaldean Catholic Church. Even though, like I said, we're all Catholic. We love the Roman Catholic Church. We love our brothers and sisters part of the Roman Catholic Church, but again, that is not who we are, and that is not part of our tradition. It is not part of our historical heritage, the Chaldean churches, and like I said, that's one of the reasons why this canon is in place, and also this canon is in place because there may be some things that, for example, if a Roman Catholic parishioner came to a Chaldean church, they would see as weird or wouldn't really understand, and that would maybe cause um, some scandal for you know someone that has never experienced a Chaldean church or would cause some theological confusion as to why the priest does this during this part of the anaphora and does this during this part of uh, the Eucharistic section, whatever it may be. But... That's why I want to emphasize this, because I have heard some people that, you know, have given an excuse saying, you know, I go to a Roman Catholic church because everyone judges me when I go to a Chaldean church, or it's a car show, or uh, it's a competition, whether who looks better, or it's a competition, whether um, who donates the most money to this specific Chaldean church, and with whatever the reason may be, with whatever the excuse may be, I'll... I can give you the very cliche response to that, and that is you're going for God and not for anyone else. But another thing to piggyback off of that is the aspect of our generations to come. Because if your kids don't know what a Chaldean is or don't know what the Chaldean church is, the because Aramaic is already becoming a dead language, and these things, it, it will just cause it to happen more rapidly, where these things will become extinct, where the Aramaic language, you will no longer be seeing that. We have already been seeing a decline in uh, the past decade, but with a jewel that has been given to us from our fathers and has been passed down for all of these centuries, and how the Chaldean church has gone through so much persecution, all of this persecution and still staying faithful to Christ 
throughout all of this persecution and still staying faithful to the Chaldean church wasn't so that we can go to another church because we don't like something about what we experienced at some point during Mass when we went to a Chaldean Mass, whatever it may be. So that's you know, something to take into consideration. And again, it's not me saying this. It's canon law, the very law of the church that governs the church. So if, you, if you're listening to this and you have any questions or you, know, you want more clarity on something I said, please make sure to reach out to me because I don't want there to be confusion. Um, because I know this shouldn't be a sensitive topic, but it is a sensitive topic. I'm not sure why, but... That's what it is. Anyway, Lion's Den. Let's go. So I just realized I went on a long rant in the end of that first segment, which I'm pretty sure would have been better uh, here in the Lion's Den segment, but whatever. It is what it is. But what I want to talk about during this Lion's Den segment is something very brief and something I think we all need to understand, and that is going to confession. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says that every Catholic must go to confession at least once a year if they are not in the state of mortal sin during you know, the rest of the time. So if you're in a state of mortal sin, you must go to confession immediately. And there are really not any if, ands, or buts when it comes to confession. It's very black and white. If you're in mortal sin, you must go to confession. If you don't know what a mortal sin is, look it up in the catechism. And, and just to give you a brief overview, the way you know something is a mortal sin, there's a three-step criteria. It must be a grave matter. It must be voluntary. And you must have full knowledge that that very act is a sin. So I'll leave the rest up to you and your research. Let me know what you find because, I mean, there are a thousand things to say about confession, but that's just a friendly reminder. Confession is very important. You don't know what's going to happen in your lives. We don't know when we're going to die, and we always want to be ready to stand in front of God. And just imagine this. Imagine you committed a mortal sin and you just got lazy with going to confession and you ended up dying before that. I mean, how bad would you feel? I mean, terrible for that matter, knowing that you're going to be in hell for all of eternity because you got lazy to go to confession and you had a mortal sin on your soul. It's not worth it. So I encourage all of you, please go to confession if needed. Don't go to confession if you don't need to because it's not a place for spiritual direction or therapy. You can uh, figure that out with your local parish priest on a separate matter. But confession is for people with mortal sins. So that is my episode for today. I am Father Daniel. Like I said in the beginning, please rate this podcast. It would be uh, very beneficial for me, and it would mean a lot to me. There you go. Okay. It would really mean a lot to me. So please make sure you rate it, throw in a comment here and there, and please pray that the Padres sweep the Dodgers in this series. Okay, that's it for today. As always, see you next time.